Welcome to the Volrath Feed, where we talk about the world of commercial food service and all of the different areas related to it. We talk to top chefs for the latest restaurant trends and concepts, and we'll discuss current events that our industry is affected by or involved with or to, well, who knows what. It's a big, wide open industry and a big topic, so who knows where we may end up. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Volrath Company. And as always, our producer, Justin Pearson, is with us today. Justin, how are you? Well, I'm doing quite satisfactory this morning. Quite satisfactory. That is good stuff to hear there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, um, I always start off. Good weekend? Everything uh, going all right for you? Yeah. yeah everything is, is, is going really well. Uh, exciting times in my household uh, as we approach the, the birth of our son, He's coming oh, about a week and a half, so it's... You've got big changes coming. Yeah, certainly do, certainly do. It's uh, exciting, and, you know, we know that we are as physically prepared as possible with the nursery and, you know, all the stuff that you need nowadays, you know, air quote, on need <laughs> for, for a baby. <laughs> um, but it, it's one of those things that you're never going to be completely ready for mentally you know it, no. just, it just comes and you got to deal with it and make adjustments ah you'll be good no worries yeah. no worries at no all. no we're excited though <laughs> how about you how, how are things going outside how's how's the garden going how's the yard yeah you know all that's uh that's all right we've got so much moisture lately so it's a it's a little bit behind but yeah it's, it's just a hobby it's not like i'm looking to actually my only way to feed myself right so i just like doing it it's it's it uh that part of, you know that lady when she asked me that question that time i, I kind of shot back and i was like no it's just a lot of work that's the yard the flowers and stuff but like like vegetables and that a little bit that's kind of fun so yeah. anyway well, what do you got in the ground right now uh some tomatoes some beans uh, not a whole lot we do do a small garden where we are the deer um eat very very well and uh, <laughs> anything you have out there that you don't spray with something to keep them off of it, they, uh, they'll chew it up pretty quick. So we're limited on what we can do. But yeah. that's kind of fun stuff anyway. But Well, I, I, uh, I just pulled some rhubarb out, and um, I've never made anything with rhubarb. I've had some things before. So um, any pointers there about oh, what, yeah. what, a, what a person should do when preparing? Like I, I remember growing up, like my mom would always say, like, don't you touch those leaves. Those are poisonous. You know, they'll kill you. You know, just how moms do. It's put the fear of God in you for anything that has any potential danger. So for the longest time, I, w I was scared to even eat anything with rhubarb. I thought people were crazy for eating it. Oh, people love it. You know, and the thing is, you got to put so much sugar with it. <laughs> yeah, you really do. I mean, it's, it is, it is a lot of sugar to make it palatable. But people make uh, torts and they'll make uh, coffee cakes and kugans and all kinds of just baked goods that, sweet tart kind mm -hmm. of things you know uh yeah people love it around here it's actually one of those things like my mother's in the process of moving and she's going to dig up her rhubarb plant and take it over to the new place to make sure she has rhubarb <laughs> so if you, if you have rhubarb you are you're doing good it's, <laughs> status symbol <laughs> right but and it's one of those things once you get it i think it's not it's very difficult to actually get rid of so yeah it just kind of takes over so um you know we're thinking about today uh, and, and the feed, what we're going to talk about. And I, I always talk about our feed and say, we talk about food service. And when I say that, 
I think immediately we think about restaurants, but there are many ways we can talk about food service. We've had guests on the show for other areas of food service, but um, you know, we talk about what it is and what it does. What what can food service do? And you and I have had this conversation where we say, you know, a lot of the guests that we've talked with use their food service operation as a as a way to do other things, right? Mm-hmm. So food service is a big topic, and sometimes. Um, some of the great things our guests do, I'm really humbled at some of the things that they, they're doing out there, and it's because of their food service. And I right. think in a lot of cases, they're just people who are doing great things through, with, or because of their culinary skills or their skills in whatever area of the industry they're involved with. They have an incredible vision. They have drive or a passion that inspires them to do the things they do beyond the food service. And I think that's why I'm really excited again today to be talking with our guest. Um, she's from, it's Lindsay Heights in the Milwaukee area, which is local stuff for you and I. And uh, Caitlin Cullen is her name. She's the chef and owner of a restaurant called Tandem, which is also in an area of Milwaukee that has experienced firsthand just a couple of years ago what is currently once again gripping our nation. And I'm sure for that community in that area, those wounds are still there. They're still open, still deep. And they need all the positive influences that can be brought in. And she is one of those in a huge way for what she is doing in her community. So again, another example of someone using their food service or their hospitality or their culinary, their restaurant to do things beyond just, you know, offering up lunch and dinner. Mm-hmm. So we'll be talking to her and hearing about some of the things she's doing and has done and continues to do for people in her neighborhood, right, again, in our area here in Milwaukee. So I'm really looking forward to it. Another one, great guest, I think, that's going to make us all uh, really look at things we can do to help people. Absolutely. It, it's it's like it's transforming from food service to service food. You know, it's it's taken on this, this whole new life of what can we do with our food to better other people's uh, position today, tomorrow, whatever, mm-hmm. and it really, it really is quite inspiring for for anyone to do something for somebody else. No, you're right. I, I I know what you mean. It's it's always these events that they look at how to raise money for things or to get people together. It's always around food, though, right? I've done a yeah. lot of those. Uh, Coming as a guest chef, and you make an entree or you make a a dish that, um, or a, a samplers for people to come by and, and try. And it's, it's all about getting the people there again for the cause of doing some good for uh, countless ways, right? We always seem to get people together and then it's just natural to bring in food. It just works, right? Food and drink. Yeah. yeah. It's something that we have to contend with every single day, multiple times a day. So it's only natural that we incorporate food into that. And when you have the ability to feed somebody else without gaining anything in return, it just speaks volumes because we all need to eat to live. You know, there's there's so many other ways that you could give your time and money, but when we say the special ingredient or it's cooked with love, you know, made with love, you know, and that and that's that's real. And when you can share that with others that you don't know, it's a really powerful experience. Yeah, and I I know like we, we're talking now about you know big events and things like that, but I think. A lot of restaurant operators do this kind of stuff every day, and it's just not on a big scale. Um, and they're trying to do those same things along the way. Like 
I know in the restaurant industry, a lot of people, because it's an entry level, a lot of entry level jobs, some of those people coming in, you get to see very quickly those that are, you know, just coming from a, maybe a home life that's not the best or some other situation in their life that has got them just in a position. And sometimes it's it's just people that need some guidance, somebody that needs a, a person to say, hey, don't do that, do do it a different way or uh, really mm-hmm. think, think about what you're doing with your life. Somebody to care a little bit, right? My dad was always like that. He would, and he'd, he'd take a chance a lot of times. I can't even begin to count the amount of times he's taken a chance on somebody that came in the door and maybe he just liked them. I don't know, but all right. Well, Justin, you know, we've been talking a lot about just doing good, right? And um, using culinary, our restaurants, uh, people in food service, just doing good. And it's perfect time here, I think, to bring in our guest for today, right? Um, so let's bring in our guest, Caitlin Cullen, who once again is the owner and chef at Tandem in Lindsay Heights, Milwaukee, local for us, right? Yeah. And let's find out more about all the great things she's been up to in her neighborhood and Tandem uh, during this time of COVID. So welcome, Caitlin. How are you today? Hey, guys. I'm really great. It's nice to be able to sit down for a little minute and just chat instead of running <laughs> around like an idiot. <laughs> You're in the restaurant world. That is normal, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I know. You know, we, we were talking earlier in the front half of the show here just about... Um, you know, we, we talk about food service as our topic, but that really is so broad. And there's so many people doing such good things because of their involvement, culinary or their restaurant or the way they're involved in food service. And um, that is, I mean, you are doing some fantastic stuff in your neighborhood. I know right now your restaurant's not even open for dining or are you now open? No, we are a soup kitchen. We're not even open. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just doing uh, a lot of good. So tell us a little bit of what you're actually doing now with your days here in, in this time. Again, we're in the COVID time, so things have changed. Things have changed a lot. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, we it was March 16th. I will not forget. Uh, I had to lay off basically all of my staff except for a few folks. And we, um, like everybody else, had to make some hard decisions about how to go forward, trying to keep people safe, but also not go out of business and keep people in jobs. And so... I really just thought at that point that we were probably going to go under and we've been going out of business for about three years and we've been open three and a half. So I was ready for it. <laughs> um, but we, we, you know, switched over to the curbside and delivery stuff um, and we cut the menu in half. And so the day we cut the menu in half, um, our community 53206 is uh, the most incarcerated zip code in the United States. Um, and 53205 is the neighborhood that we're in right next door. And so I knew that folks, especially in our neighborhood, were going to be really hurting. And meanwhile, I had all this stuff that it wasn't going to be on the menu anymore. So we cooked off everything we had left in the fridge um, and started kind of putting them together to give out to folks who might need a free meal when things were so uncertain. And so I remember day one, I made 85 meals, like single portions, and I put them in the freezer. I was like, this is great. This is going to last forever. And they were gone in like two hours. <laughs> and <laughs> wow. we're still doing like curbside and delivery at this point. So the next day I'm like, I got this. We'll do 150. And they were gone in two hours. And then by Friday of that week, I really looked at our staff and, and said, you know, like, I don't know what the future holds, but I do know that when this all shakes down, I want to have done what felt like the right thing and so how insane do you think I am if I say let's stop selling food and just do free meals on donation 
and all five staff members voted to approve what I said. So we've been doing that ever since. It's been almost three months now. Was that like a burning question that was uh, stewing for, for a while, or was it just like a sudden epiphany where like, this is what I need to do? It was pretty sudden. I mean, we decided we were gonna start cooking food off on a Tuesday. We started serving it on a Wednesday. By Thursday, we knew it was getting out of hand. And meanwhile, the whole city of Milwaukee was just um, so excited about what we were doing that our carryout business was like bananas. We were making like <laughs> twice as much on carryout as we would in like a normal week. Um, but it, it made everything really just chaotic, right? There were only a few of us in here. Um, we were really worried about safety and sanitation. And so... I don't know. It just, yeah, it came to me. I was at home. I, I, I was having a beer and thinking about the future and I, it just came to me and my partner was like, you're insane. And I'm like, well, no, I, I think this is what we need to do. And it, that, that risk really has paid off for, for Milwaukee at large. Sounds like that, that risk and people looking at you like you're insane might be kind of a normal, normal uh, area for you, huh? You yeah. do a lot of things there in your, you know, we, as we look at um, our guests and do a little research. I'm, I'm impressed that the, the, the things you've done with just the people you hire and the, the way you, you use them in your restaurant and, and uh, the whole. Tell us a little bit about some of that stuff that you do with your with your staff there. Yeah, I specialize in stressing my parents out. So I picked the hardest <laughs> industry to survive in and then decided to turn it into an even harder project. But we, um, you know, opening up in Lindsay Heights, it was a no-brainer for me. I mean, this is a community that's uh, 18 to 24 has a 40% unemployment rate. Like, not everyone's making it out of high school. Just crazy stuff that um, is really symptomatic of, I think, how our nation treats communities of color. And so it just, I don't know, if I was going to open a restaurant in Bayview, I would have hired kids from Bayview. But I, I used to be a high school English teacher by trade. And I just quit my job and moved to Wisconsin and lied on a bunch of resumes and got cooking jobs and learned on the spot um, and went from, you know, being the person who's like cleaning kale and collard greens to being the sous chef at a five times James Beard nominated restaurant um, just because I was able to learn and get paid and and kind of was willing to put my all into it. And so setting up shop here in Lindsay Heights, it was really a no brainer um to kind of do that for the young people who live here you know i took a risk at 27 and it paid off for me and because i'm white and i talk nice and i have a master's degree i was able to convince a bunch of people to give me hundreds of thousands of dollars to open a restaurant after cooking for three years <laughs> and so <laughs> i thought it was um you ever think about politics yeah no, <laughs> i do i do often <laughs> Um, no, but I, it just seemed like a no brainer. And also like if you live close to where you work, that's how communities used to be set up. Um, it removes all these elements of surprise, right? You can't, you know, like my ride fell through. I don't give a damn if your ride fell through, start walking. You live three quarters of a mile away and it's not that cold. Um, it's, it's, so that's what we do. We, we hire young people, um, really starting at age 10. Uh, with parental consent, and that's like not legal, but I have no problem sharing that with folks. It's just, you know, they come in and wash some cups behind the bar. They get used to coming into a job one night a week for two hours. Their parents, you know, usually drop them off and have dinner, but it gets them in the habit of, of doing something productive. 
Um, and then honestly, prior to the everything sweeping in with COVID, with the exception of one employee, my eldest employee was 22 years old. So we are, we're your wow. first job. You can't get a job without experience, but you can't get experience unless you can get a job. And it's a real catch 22 for a lot of young people out here. Right. No, and, and our industry is a lot of entry level. Yeah. So, you know, we're perfect for that. And that's, as you said, first jobs and starting young, giving people in, in home situations that maybe don't have a lot of structure. And they, they we need that. And it, just to have somebody that cares enough to, like you said, hey, I don't care, walk to work. That's that's almost like a, a little bit of somebody saying, hey, you got to figure things out and just do what needs to get done. And they need people sometimes to tell them that at a young age if you... Right. I mean, well, I mean, historically, uh, no one's going to be looking out for you as a young black man. <laughs> so like it, we have to take some steps and learn some stuff to make sure that you're able to advocate for yourself and, you know, provide for yourself and your family at some point in time. And and so we are that first stop We're that first step. And our goal right. is really to get young people out of this restaurant. Right. You know, you can be here as long as you need to learn how to cook, to get your footing, to get comfortable, to prove to me you know how to show up on time every day. And then from there, um, Milwaukee has so many restaurants that have openings constantly. And so once you've got a handle on it, then I get to refer you to Uncle Wolfie's, which is like a hot restaurant, or I can get you a job at Sanford, which is insane. Like I can't get a job at Sanford. And I had a young lady working there right before we closed. So. Uh, yeah, the goal is mobility. Right. Do you have any other good success stories of people that have worked for you? And do you have any ones you wish you could have done better with or had um, maybe changed a little bit more for them? You know, there it's there's all kinds of stuff. I don't know even what to, su- what qualifies success. So, like, yeah, getting a job at Sanford, that's nuts. That's very successful. I've also had um, young women who have been servers or cooks um, be able to get their own first apartment for them and their kid and then get their own first car for them and their kid and then get a better job that has health benefits for them and their kid because they're able to kind of take each step one at a time. I'm able to help get, um, you know, a young man into an apartment who has no rental history. He has an eviction on his name because his mom put the lease in his name once because she had too many damn evictions. I'm able, because of our status here in Milwaukee as a tandem, able to advocate for those young people. I'm able to call that landlord that someone's trying to lease from and say very frankly, like, I'll make sure this guy pays. He's been here for eight months. I'll take it out of his check if I have to. Um, But I think our biggest successes are not always culinary. A lot of times it's just being that steady um, place of support for young people who are really trying to figure out how to be grownups. Yeah. I would like to come back around to what what gave you the push to go from English teacher to uh, the food service industry? Mm. Uh, how, how does that how does that happen? Uh, how how honest do you want me to be? <laughs> how deep do we want to go? Lay it on me. Okay, you know, that, yeah. I, I'm I'm here for it. Um, I had taught in a couple of different school districts and and switched to teaching. Went from teaching in Detroit public schools to uh, an embassy school for like wealthy Dominicans who wanted their kids to have an English education and diplomats kids in Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic and um, climbed the ladder there really fast and found the stress of the job 
teaching is a setup. Teaching in a good school district is a setup. Teaching in a bad one is a setup. Teaching with good parents is a setup. It's a really hard job to do well, and it's thankless, and it's constant. And so I would go home at night, um, and I love the Dominican Republic, but they are not internationally renowned for their food. It's like Puerto Rican food, but without flavor. (laughs) Um, And so... I always had loved cooking, but I really got into trying to make something that was different than like platanos and rice and beans. And there wasn't, there wasn't a Thai restaurant in town. There was one Indian place in the whole country that was three hours away from where I lived. And you had to have the whole restaurant to reserve out for them to open. Like you had to have 25 people just for them to decide to feed you. (laughs) You know, the last two New Yorkers who were making bagels left the first month I got there. And so to decompress from the stress of what I was doing, I would go home and like make bagels for eight hours in the middle of a brownout by candlelight. And instead of being pissed off, I was like, this is great. I'm happy. I'm not crabby. Um, And I thought I just I would have to give it a shot. How'd your bagels turn out? Uh, shitty for a while. They got better over time. The first probably four <laughs> rounds left a lot to be desired, but by yeah. by the end we got it down. All right. So with what you do and the people that like, my background is restaurants. I was in for a while, and I, we had a lot of people that my parents have been in business forty years, and they had a lot of people who have gone through. You know, there was their first job, and they'll come back in and say, you know, you really taught me a lot, and you know, thank you for some of the lessons that you taught me early on. This was my first job. And do you, do you get a lot of that where people come back and say, thanks for what you do? I think they're still too young for that. So I really do. Like right now, a lot of the kids, this first um, setup, I mean, we've only been open three and a half years. And so I do get that. Like the young lady who got a job at Sanford, she has always been eternally grateful for every step along the way that we've had together. But kids are assholes. And, you know, they just like, they're like, man, this, that, I'm mad. And I know that in five and 10 and 20 years, I'll be hearing from kids who are now grown, who have the the wherewithal to say that. But at at this point, we don't get too much of that. I mean, unless you're helping someone with some significant life stuff. And I don't mind. I don't do it for them to say thank you. I do it so that like, eventually we don't have to be marching in the streets every day for people to be able to live an equitable life in America. Yeah, right. you're right, though. It, it does take that space and time to grow appreciation for somebody who's done something for you that's been transformative. You know, that's why we look back at parents and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm becoming my, my mom or my dad. Yeah. You know, and that's <laughs> because you just start to see things with a, a more uh, adult perspective and and you really really are appreciative of of the love that someone's shown you um, right. after there's been a few years in between it yeah and they, and they have a lot of growth to do we always joke about it as a crew that a we'd make a great show for bet if they ever want to have a reality show in here which if someone's listening call me uh but <laughs> um also we've always joked about it like somebody in this group is gonna do great things, not just somebody, a lot. We've had over 150 employees. And so the joke is always, and they say it right back, they're like, when I hit it big, you know, my first big check is going to you. Like they say their appreciation 
in subtle ways. Um, yeah. But they're just still kids. I think of myself at 22. Good Lord. Right. <laughs> How did any of us make it? Yeah, <laughs> anywhere? seriously. I didn't have kids. I mean, like, they, there are a lot of compounded issues, and they're doing their thing at 22. So I'll wait for my thank you. I got time. Yeah, you'll get it. I, and how do you feel if one of them would come back and, and just say, hey, you, you, you were a hero. You were, I mean, that, does that word resonate with you? I mean, obviously, I think you'll, you'll hear their stories and feel great about it. But what if somebody actually said that to you? Like, boy, you're, you're a hero to us in, in a lot of ways. It would make me uncomfortable because I don't like the word hero is a lot. And I think being uh-huh. a decent human being that helps others is not heroic. It's it should be the cornerstone of who we are. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, that would make me uncomfortable. I'd be happy to hear that I'd change someone's life for sure. That's that's oh. important. I think that's just a matter of time. You're, you said it before. They're young yet, and uh, you don't maybe think in the way you do when you're a little older, but doing what you're doing, I, you know you're impacting lives in such a positive way that that day's coming for sure. Well, and I was, I grew up, um, you know, we were the, the brokest kids in our nice neighborhoods, but I had a really good, I had a set of role models. I had a set of heroes, you know, I, there was no way I was going to fall through the cracks because even though I was raised by a single mother who was working and and I had my sister there, uh, you know, there was a neighbor there. There was a teacher there. There were 10, 20 teachers that were involved. There were aunts and uncles. And, um, I think because I was raised by community, I had a lot of role models and I think, uh, it's hard right now for there to be enough of that to be supportive of of our young people so i hope i'm one of like 20 people i know i might be one of like five i'd hope there was more support out there but speaking of support i am interested in some of the meals that you've been making can you run through a little bit of what you've been making uh what your menu has been looking like for that and maybe some of the the feedback you've been getting from people yeah so our menu changes literally every day um and we're here monday through friday so um we've started contracting with local restaurants in milwaukee um, to help us basically fulfill all the need Um, we do on sundays like you know 1500 meals in a day Um, and i'm a good chef but i'm not that good so we work with 40 local restaurant partners to help us like fill the need and there's everything under the sun today there was like a barbecue pork rib with grits and greens we get a lot of lasagnas um we've got a guy who owns like a chinese restaurant that he does in stadiums and so he's been hitting us with all the classics um we've always got a vegan dish every day of the week from a local restaurant that's vegan so they did like a mango coconut quinoa today i mean we it's just a lot there's a lot of food i'm we're looking at the numbers and um, after this week, we will have served over 30,000 meals. Holy cow. Wow. 30,000. 30, that is huge. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd say I served 30,000 meals in this period of time? No, That's my dumbass put 85 meals in the freezer because I thought they'd last. <laughs> I, thought that was two, I thought they were going to last three weeks. <laughs> Never did I ever think. 30,000 meals. Yep. Oh, that is so. I, I, again, I, I just can't imagine the difference that it, it makes for some people to, to 
look forward to getting that meal from you every day. Well, That's just great. And it's also in a time like right now, um, food insecurity looks different. You know, we used to be able to say like this person or that type of person would be in a soup kitchen line, you know, that the guy who sits on the street corner asking for money is a part of that, et cetera, et cetera. But um, with so many people who are unemployed, who are used to being gainfully employed, um, who have no safety net, you work at the mall or the movie theater or in a restaurant, you maybe, if you're lucky, have a thousand bucks for emergencies and you, you know, you have a car payment because you always had a job. You have a rent that you have a lease on. You have all of these expenses that aren't going to go anywhere, even if you can't go get a job or you're waiting on your unemployment. And so when we can take one thing away from that list of worries, which is a good meal, and it's not like a bologna sandwich from a shelter, it's like a meal cooked by, for example, Sanford, which is making meals for our soup kitchen line. Like hmm. when you can get that, I think it really, we do get a lot of good feedback about that and how encouraged people are by being supported in that way. Mm -hmm. So as you look at now, Milwaukee is on, are you on phase two in the plan? I think Wisconsin is right now, is that right? I don't or... know what phase we're in. <laughs> no, I'm, on, you're, I'm you're, being you're honest. I hear you. What, I, I mean, are you, where are your thoughts on how, where are you going to start getting back into in dining or is that um, where's your head at going there? I think that's really down the road for us um, just because we handed out 1500 plus meals on Friday. Like if we get to a point where I show up on a, a weekday and only 100 people come get food then that's probably the time when it's not a need anymore or when the, you know, different community organizations that are responsible for feeding those who need it, when those people are able to maybe pick up some of the slack again and get back to reopening, that could be it. Um, I'm, or, or when the money runs out. Look, when the money runs out, we'll go be a restaurant again. But for right now, um, I'm thinking probably September is the earliest we'd open. Okay. Well, so you're, you have been thinking about it a little oh, bit. Oh, I think then, about I it a lot. All I do, I don't <laughs> sleep much, and I think plenty. Uh, so uh, your generosity has obviously been snowballing with uh, the cooperation of a lot of other restaurants. Have you seen people doing good uh, around you in the immediate vicinity in the neighborhood? As, as how have people been helping each other? Has, has there been an influence by what you're doing in affecting other people's uh, behavior? Lindsay Heights is a neighborhood that existed long before my pasty ass showed up. And so I've only been in this community three years, but part of why I fell in love with Lindsay Heights is because of what a tight knit community it is. Um, you know, there's less than 15,000 people who live here and it is a, a neighborhood that looks out for its residents and even its visitors. And so, yeah, I think as soon as this started happening, everyone around us was on their best behavior and trying their hardest to make sure people were looked out for you know seniors who haven't been able to leave the house in three months we get people who come pick up food every day they stand in line they don't need a free meal but they stand in line for a half hour so that they can get meals and take them to folks who do need them who are afraid mm -hmm. to leave the house the community is has stepped up really big time that's awesome that is great. So did you move there from the Dominican then? Is that right yeah. to Milwaukee? So I moved to Milwaukee almost seven years ago now. It'll be seven years and just about a month now. And you just picked a spot on the map, right? 
I closed my eyes and pointed at a map. I True story. really wish yeah. that hadn't happened because it sounds so stupid every time I say it. But I, um, I, it was like, it was a, it was a map of the Midwest. So it wasn't like you know the whole like spinning a globe thing. But I was in the Dominican and really wanted to take a chance and learn how to cook and wanted to get back to the Midwest, but didn't want to go back to Detroit, which is where I'm from. Um, and so. I landed on Milwaukee and like did some research was like, oh, yeah, this is a good mid-market city. I could probably get a job with little experience. And, and truthfully, the Wikipedia article had like an entire section about the bronze fawns. Are you guys familiar? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. And it was like it was like a, a paragraph like erected in 2004 to attract tourism. The bronze Arthur Fonzarelli statue. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what? this is a crazy ass place i've got to go check it out and so i came to visit and we moved here the following week if it's good enough for the funds it's good enough for me Man. <laughs> one week later well good thing you didn't land on um some small city on the middle of nowhere i i know um, that was what would you have done i think we technically landed on like oconomowoc but like milwaukee uh, was like the biggest metro area i wasn't uh, going to move to like some random ass place i wanted to learn how to cook and needed to find okay. some kitchens that knew what was up but like we that i mean we were closer there than to madison i would say oh well, milwaukee's a great food scene hell That's yeah great town great town for that so you lied your way into your first job I did. what not that i want to encourage that for anyone else to do but but how did that work i mean how did that how did that work for you with just having your english background and being able to to clearly uh, vocalize why you're qualified and fit for this position? I'm a good resume builder. So, All and right, I didn't, okay. nothing on, the, I did not lie about any skills I had. And I did not lie about any place I worked. I just might've conflated the two things together in ways that oh. were imaginative. Like for example, <laughs> I managed a, um, a coffee shop in college and it was uh, in grad school and it was a cafe. And if you ever look at their website, like they have some sandwiches, some salads. They don't make any of that there. It all gets dropped in from other restaurants. Sure, yeah. And I was like, I was the manager of this cafe. And things I know how to make that I do at home are salad dressing, like different sauces. So I just kind of made it seem like I had any idea what I was doing. Well, that's not as deceitful as I thought then, because that, that's just regular resume building. Yeah, that's just anybody, like anybody pads. Gentle, everybody pads there. Gentle <laughs> lies is what it was. Yeah. Like I knew how to do it, um, and I didn't make up any random ass restaurants, but I did yeah. like kind of suggest that I might have cooked professionally before, which was a bald lie. <laughs> have you ever come clean to any of those uh, employers, or I just did? Let it be? I did. I yeah, got. Did. Oh. I. It was a couple years into working at Bavette, which is down on the third ward. And so, like, I'm the sous chef completely running the entire <laughs> restaurant of a James Beard nominee. And she took me out for my birthday. And I was like a promotion. Thank you. And now this is the fourth time I'm going to mention Sanford in this call. But she took me out to Sanford. Um, and we had this extraordinary meal that cost hundreds of dollars. And into my, like, second maker's mark after dinner while we're like having dessert and i was pretty toasted i was like i never cooked before you hired me <laughs> i just like blurted it out and she's like are you serious i was like yeah i really wish i was lying and i'm like it's too late now like you can't unpromote me 
Um, and I know how to do all these things, but to be very frank, I learned them entirely from you. But you earned the promotion working there, right? So yeah. Well, any, anytime she asked me to do something, I was like, you know, everybody likes to do stuff differently. How do you cut onions? Which is like such <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> but it worked. It worked. Well, you must have really busted outside of work to like, you know, practice your craft, um, you know, when in solitude or did you do a lot of reading a lot of i just video i didn't have time just all on job no it was all on yeah. job so like uh restaurants don't pay people well so i was working like 85 hours a week at three different restaurants and so all of my learning happened in those different spaces you know you get faster you get better you learn how to fix the sauce that's getting screwed up like it all happened on the job which was nice i got paid to learn how to be a chef yeah was the goal to open a place? No, I don't know what happened. the goal was. This just happened on accident, literally. Like yeah. several, there was a developer who was working on this building um, and several, she had pitched the concept to several female restaurateurs who had, um, you know, one or two locations already. And so um, every time they kept bringing someone in to look at the place, they'd be like, yeah, it's beautiful. The neighborhood's really cool. It's not for me. But I know this chick. And she probably would want to. And every time that idiot was me. <laughs> no, sometimes it just all works out for whatever reason. I, I, I mean, right? Perfect, perfect for you right now. It was now, a perfect storm. Right, right. So since your culinary experience um, has been really compacted into a short amount of time in your life relative to uh, some other chefs that we've, we've talked with, what has been one of your favorite things that you've ever made? Uh, could be long time ago, could be yesterday. Ugh. If there has been a thing. I know, it's tough. My favorite thing is not one specific thing, I would say. That's fine, it could be like two or three. Well, it's more like a genre. I love making soup. It is mm. meditative. You can dice it as big or as little as you want. Like it's a whole process that is start to finish all yours and there are just so many different times you can layer something in that take something take a soup from being like good to being just extraordinary and i make a lot we've always had a soup of the day option on the menu and that's always such a throwaway at places and people yeah. like come here for that if you, if i've got if it says creamy anything you're going to be really happy you got it and it i'm going to be really happy to have been able to take two hours to make it yeah. Well, I judge restaurants on their soup, you know, just like on their basic things, like on your rice, on your tortillas. You know, if you cannot do those right, I, I don't know if we have much more to talk about exactly. the rest of the things that you can do. So I'm, I'm on board with you there. I'm a huge soup fan. OK, well, unfortunately, it, I think it's time to uh, wrap things up for today. Uh, thank you, Caitlin, for a really interesting, inspiring, uh, entertaining show. Uh, thank you again for what you do and and everything you continue to do in your community it's really really inspiring and great thank you again for for everything there i would i would like to know how how can people uh help contribute to what you're doing to sustain your cause and keep it going so that until it's no longer needed uh there's kind of two ways um one is like direct action one's a little more convoluted directly we have a donate button on the homepage of our website which is tandemmke.com and so Every dollar that comes in goes either out in the form of food, goes out in wages to employees, um, or helps keep our lights on during all this since we're not selling anything. So that's an easy answer. 
Um, and the more convoluted one is, especially right now in a time where our whole country is in a really strong moment of unrest, um, figuring out how you can change something in your life to advocate for people who have less of a voice than you is maybe the best contribution of all. That mm. would make it so that we wouldn't have to do what we do if everyone yeah. was doing a little bit of their part. And it's uncomfortable and it's uh, scary, but in all reality, it's the only way we're going to make it out of this alive. We're all in this together. Well, right on. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right on. For our listeners today, I hope you enjoyed the show and, and hearing about um, everything going on and, and check out that website and, and that uh, donate button as Caitlin mentioned that's a great way and, and beyond that as she said as well just uh, I'm going to butcher the quote I guess but it takes a village to raise a child or something like that I think is a quote out there right it's, it's something true, just like that something just like that right true statement um, so Caitlin what we like to always do with our guests is in our lives in our experiences we've had people that have influenced us and some of them we remember a, a, a quote or something that was said. Do you have anything like that in your life that you think about, remember, that really inspired or, or drives you? Yeah, you know what? It's a Hemingway quote, which is a little bit trite because I don't always like to quite quote white men. No offense, guys. <laughs> but um, None taken. <laughs> from, the book, the, from the novel The Sun Also Rises, um, he says, you can't get away from yourself by moving from one place to another. And that really has, for someone who's moved around the world, trying to find what it is I thought I needed to find. Uh, the real thing I needed to find was how to be at peace with myself. And that can happen anywhere. It wasn't Milwaukee that made that happen. It was, you know, my journey. Definitely good stuff there. So Justin, any closing thoughts from you on today's show? or I would just like to remind everyone listening to Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Never miss a moment with another chef or industry professional again. And also, while you're at it, if you appreciate what we're doing, share it with a friend. Thank you for that. And everyone, if you have any thoughts about a topic or anything that we've covered on the show today, you can please uh, reach out to us at bullrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. In this crazy, crazy world of food service, it's easy to look around at every other restaurateur and think about what they're doing and you can end up chasing that and so I think it's especially appropriate after today's show to modify my favorite quote a little bit maybe and just say it in that don't worry about anyone else and what they're doing just keep focusing on what you think is best or what your gut or your heart tells you to do and no one's going to beat you thanks for listening everyone until next time take care